afternoon, good evening, good morning. Welcome once more to the Working Man's Honest Bicycle Program. This is a podcast for heady conversation on cycling topics brought to you by bike lovers. It's for you, our fellow bike lovers. I'm Greg. I am talking to you from Boston, and across the internet from me in the lovely city of Minneapolis is Matteo. Hey, Matteo. Hey, Greg. How you doing tonight? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty good. You know what? I'm a little sore. I'm a little sore. I did some bike racing this weekend. Uh, uh, there was a little crash on Saturday. Was that you? Was that air through teeth? Yeah. Yeah, well, I just, you know, my back's a little sore. I'm actually, I'm pretty okay. That's I'm a little good. sore. I, a little. <laughs> I mean, crashing is pretty terrible, but Ugh. it's, because it, it, there can be terrible consequences, but I would actually, I'd reckon that most crashes in bike races, like, everyone walks away from it, and it can be easy to forget that when you're, like, worried about crashing and worried about breaking bikes and worried about breaking bones, but you can be like, oh, wow, I, I, I crashed and everything's fine. I have a whole new perspective on bike racing now. It's true. Yeah. Well, you know, I continued my record of mostly not getting much in the way of road rash, uh, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, nice. That tends to be a thing that happens. But, well, I mean, you know, tweaking your back or landing on your back really hard sucks, too. The only reason I'm really disappointed about it is I was I was not having a great race, I thought, while well, I was racing stupidly. And I was like, well, I'm not getting a result. And then all of a sudden, like, we hit two laps to go and I'm moving up and, you know, I'm on the bell lap and it's like, we're in the second to last corner. I was like, holy crap, I'm 10th wheel. <laughs> like, <laughs> this I'm going to have a good sprint. a great place to be. <laughs> yeah, wow, this is awesome. And I'm, like, really excited. I'm ready to, to uh, well, to steal a phrase, uh, to take some lunch money. Um, and, and then the guy in front of me goes down. And, and I was like, ah, I got nowhere to go. Boom. Boom. So, yeah. Anyway, but I'm okay. That's good. I, I was really close to a crash this weekend, too. Um, I was at the tour of America's Dairylands, uh, which is Ooh. just 11 days of crits in Wisconsin. Big, big, big scene. Great races. Um, I think all crit racers in the country should go to toad at some point. But, uh, yeah, I was racing and I was just kind of chilling mid pack kind of early on in the race thinking like, this is comfortable. I'm just going to like hang out here mm-hmm. and try not to let the whole field pass me and like figure out some lines through some of these tricky corners. And right as I was thinking that, I felt a front wheel bounce off of my right foot and then go into my rear derailleur, and I just heard, like, a lot of noise from behind me. Ooh. And that was a damn shame. And then I I found out after the fact that the riders who had to take a free lap, they were, they were pushing them back into the race after they took their free lap 10 at a time. And it was at least three laps until people stopped getting pushed in. Wait, getting pushed in... To the race, sorry. Uh, oh, back into right. the race from the neutral pit. Oh my god. <laughs> so that was a big one. Yeah. That's uh, that's pretty epic and not in the way that we, we enjoy. Indeed. I My understanding is that there were no major injuries, although one of my buddies and travel companions did have uh, some cracks and some carbon fiber here and there. Oh, oh that hurts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a lot of carbon fiber to crack, so, but I've you know everything breaks. Everything. Breaks. All right, well, <laughs> we should probably move on, I guess. So that's that's what we've been doing. We've been racing bikes and crashing, or almost crashing, <laughs> uh, like you do. Like you do. Uh, maybe doing pretty well, but we're not we're not here actually to talk about our own uh, foibles in amateur racing. Not today. We are, here, we are not. Not, not today. today. No. 
uh, we're here for the entire month of July. We're going to do something a little special, and we're actually going to talk about men's professional cycling, uh, specifically the Tour de France, uh, on a weekly basis. So that's pretty exciting. And before we before we uh, get into you know weekly shows during the tour, we we figured we wanted one more kind of tour preview show uh, to just kind of make some I don't know make some actual predictions, sort of put a uh, maybe not actual money on the line, but. Uh, what is it? Put a put a flag on a mast. I don't know, uh, something like that. I think I think we can make some sort of like bold and outlandish predictions, and we oh can yeah, stake some stake some claims to those, and then if they're right, they're you know the kind of bragging rights that come with like winning fifty dollars at a gas station scratch off ticket. You know, you, totally. We can feel like the cock of the walk. Yeah, totally. And um, there's going to be an opportunity for you, our delightful listeners, to get in on a certain kind of the fun because we are also going to have a contest we'll, we'll, uh, having to do with uh, Velo Games and Fantasy Cycling Leagues. We're going to have a Working Man's Honest Bicycle Program League on VeloGamesIsIt.com. Yes, VeloGames.com is where the league will be. And for those of you who uh, have not yet done this before, it's quite pleasant and quite enjoyable. It's a great way to spend your work day. Um, go to VeloGames.com sign up uh and you you pick a team you've got a certain number of points and riders are each worth different amounts of points you have to choose uh riders of a handful of different abilities but you know forming your team is as easy as just picking eight or ten riders i forget exactly what the uh what the quota is and then you can enter your team into our league and now get your pencils and papers ready listeners the league code is two five two zero five four one nine that's two five two zero five four one nine, and yes. everyone who joins this league can uh, check to see how your riders fare day after day. They can earn points through a series of different accomplishments, including placing on the stage, being in the general classification, earning King of the Mountain points, earning sprint points, being in the day's breakaway, yada yada yada. Basically. It's a big old tool for silly bragging rights with your friends over the internet, and we would love for you to join us. Yeah, and and I do believe that the first place first place listener in this uh, in this competition in this league will receive a prize that is more than merely the respect and admiration of your peers. There will be actual uh, stuff that you will receive. And I think we're, we were going to keep that a secret, weren't we? We're going to keep it a secret. We, I, I'd say we will say that we will mail you in the, the United States Postal Service. Uh, we will employ a USPS courier to deliver to you a package containing things that you can use on your body yes. and around your house and in your community. That's that's good. So yeah, look forward to that. Uh, we'll we'll remind you again at the end of the show. Get signed up. You still have a few days. Uh, the tour starts on Saturday, July fourth, which in the United States is a holiday, uh, and it seems a good a good holiday to start with a bike race. Okay, so with that out of the way, I do want to quickly acknowledge um, you listening now, our wonderful wonderful uh, listeners, because apparently apparently we have some. <laughs> there are uh, evidently severals of you out there. Uh, I've been quite lazy about checking the various sources of evidence 
uh, for the existence of, of listeners. We've gotten some emails and stuff. I see that uh, some of you have, have left us ratings and reviews on iTunes. We are just so incredibly appreciative of that. We, we can't even describe to you how appreciative we are. Um, it really, well, it mostly makes us feel good about ourselves. Uh, so yeah, um, keep it coming. Uh, keep keep writing to us. Keep keep tweeting at us. Uh, we think that you're wonderful, very attractive, and thoughtful people. I concur. All right. So maybe we should talk about the Tour de France and. Maybe a good place to start is is actually in talking about how we, as uh, fans based in the United States of America, plan on consuming uh, our bicycle racing entertainment originating from the country of France. So, Maddie, how are you going to watch? How are you going to keep abreast of what's going on? Um, I usually rely on streams of European television stations. And you can do this over the internet. I would say this is the kind of thing where, like, you probably want an ad block installed on your browser. But oh boy, uh, howdy do you? What's that? I said, boy, howdy do you? Yeah, yeah. But uh, go to cyclingfans.com or steephill.tv, and you know, find the link to Tour de France and. During, you know, when the stages are live, which in the United States is usually in the morning, um, you can click on any one of those uh, those links that those two sites provide, and you can watch the day's stage. I also like to keep up with it on Twitter, which is a good thing to do, you know, when I'm at work and I don't feel like streaming live video is something that the IT department is going to be too thrilled about. So <laughs> uh, there's usually a hashtag. I don't know if it's going to be TDF or TDF 2015, and you can just kind of keep in touch with the broad-scale collective commentary on the race. And for the particularly good stages, uh, Cycling News has a live ticker at live.cyclingnews.com where it's basically a Twitter account, except it doesn't use Twitter. And they give text updates on the day stage, so and it's if, better than nothing. It's better than nothing. And if those those resources are unfamiliar to you, check it out. It's actually pretty easy. And feel free to get in touch if you have any difficulties watching or paying attention to the Tour de France. I I think that the entire um, live text update cottage industry for bike racing is sort of a curious phenomenon, uh, and it seems. It seems sort of obscene that that it, this is still a service that's in in such demand <laughs> in the modern day and age. But oh well. Uh, so as for me, I, I do many of the same things. Something I've been doing for the last couple of years that I've been pretty happy with is downloading the uh, I believe it's the NBC Sports now Tour Tracker app for the Tour de France 2015. They they come out with a new one every year. It's basically the same app. It's just that they come out with a, a new version so that they can charge you fifteen dollars to download it. Um, off of in my case, off of the Apple App Store because uh, I use the Apple products. You know, I put it on my iPad and and then I can tweet away if I want or or whatever, or I can 
uh, even have it playing <laughs> potentially while I am uh, at my at my work uh, because I am in the untrammeled embrace of academia um, happily. So that's that's what I do. It's it's well worth you know fifteen dollars for essentially three weeks of uh, unlimited uh, live video of bike racing. Yeah, you know you get um, if you aren't into the Phil and Paul commentary, you do get the Phil Sherwin and uh, no sorry Phil Liggett and Paul Sherwin commentary. But it's you know it's not that bad. You can kind of deal with it. Um, they're fine, especially you know if you're. Uh, if you're newer to the the sport, I think that they're probably perfectly uh, informative, and in, in you know anyway, that's what I do. So maybe we should move on to talking about uh, what we think is going to happen in the actual race. Let's do it. Let's do it. So, do you want to start by making some like Let's just get this out of the way. Let's mm-hmm. let's. Let's go with our podium picks, like right now, top three uh, for the general, <laughs> general classification. Okay, I'm actually gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna give us some. Uh, sorry, I'm actually writing down our names so that we can put our actual picks next to our names for future uh, embarrassment. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna put you on the spot. Why don't you go first? All right, I'm I'm gonna be. I'm going to call Nairo Quintana for the win over Chris Froome. And then sort of the, the third place, uh, I'm going to pick Thibaut Pinot. Ooh. That's, that's an interesting choice for your, your third place. You know, let's see if we can get a Frenchman on the podium. That would be delightful, wouldn't it? It would. It would be interesting. So you're, you're, making, you're making life hard for me because uh, your first two picks were kind of where i was headed uh <laughs> if i'm honest uh, hmm. you can you can go with them you don't have to just yeah. be you know contrary i don't know i don't know well maybe i don't know it's it's let's just let's just pretend that uh well I'll, I'll, i'm gonna pick, i'm gonna i'm gonna pick the same winner as you mm-hmm. uh i think that I think that Nairo Quintana, uh, I think it's time. I think that this is going to be a good one for him to win uh, for reasons that we we could get into maybe in a bit. I think second place, uh, let's say uh, Mr. Nibali. I think that uh, I think he's going to come pretty good. He's, he's turning around. He just won the Italian championships. He's looking pretty fast. He's looking pretty fit. Um, and um, just for the heck of it... Uh, I'm gonna say that no, Froome crashes out, and I'm gonna say that nice. uh, that we have an American on the podium. I'm gonna say that uh, TJ somehow manages to get third place against all odds. That is very bold. That is very. It bold. is bold pick. I, I figure that that you took the you took the super obvious ones, and I figure I'm gonna go bold. I love it. I love it. I I will say this about you know I in our last program I said that you know I didn't really see Vincenzo Nibali like winning the Tour de France in a in sort of open combat against climbers like Froome and Nairo Quintana. Mm-hmm. But seeing even just a, a brief recap of what he did at the Italian National Championships, he looks leaner than I've ever seen him. He looks extremely smooth. So you never know. You never know. And and I should say, I, I do not I do not want Froome to crash out. I hope he does not. 
It just seems uh, really likely given the number of elbows he has. He's got like 18 oh, of them. Oh, boy. Yeah, those elbows, man. Do they have a. <laughs> does cycling have like a handicap on elbows? <laughs> uh, yeah, all right. So so I think that's our. I now remember the expression. It's nailing our colors to the mast. Maybe that's a British thing. I don't know. Uh, so that's what we're going to pick for the podium. And and you all can, can check back in with us and, and see what happens. So. Um, I don't know. Do you care to elaborate at all on on your picks there? Um, I, I guess I, I would just say, you know, and I said this last program that uh, I'm a fan of Nairo Quintana. And I, usually bike racing is just kind of entertainment for me. And it's rare that I, I really root for a rider kind of through thick and thin. But I think Quintana is awesome. And I want to see him win the crap out of this race. <laughs> Yeah, Quintana seems like a, in addition to being a, a great bike racer, uh, a pretty pretty good guy. Yeah, it's easy to want him to win. So yeah, I feel that same way. I think that I think that even if Froome doesn't crash out, the you know my prediction is so right. Froome's Froome if he stays healthy and everything is obviously uh, pretty much guaranteed podium. Um, so you know this is just the. <laughs> so, so my pick is on the assumption that something goes wrong for him um and you know i, I hope he doesn't get hurt or anything um, and, and it kind but, of it kind of sounds like you're also on board with what i said in our last episode about condador not really being able to pull out a podium performance after having raced uh respectably at the giro d'italia earlier this year yeah i feel like condador is a solid top five top six mm-hmm. um that's kind of you know, and maybe he'll surprise us and, and end up on the podium, but but boy, that seems really difficult to do. Yeah. For sure. So, yeah, we'll see on that. Uh, yeah, so maybe we should move on and, and kind of roll through it. Right next in my list of things to talk about, I have green jersey and sprinters because I'm not certain if these are necessarily identical sure and let's just give a, a quick little background for some of our listeners the, the the green jersey competition is sort of uh awarded it is sometimes said to the best sprinter um but really it's the points competition and the points are most often awarded in sprints not only stage finish sprints but intermediate sprints um i think you know in, in the recent past we've tended to see it uh won by a very good all-around rider who is not just going after field sprints, but also um, kind of, you know, has has the endurance to hang when it gets a little bit lumpy and goes after some intermediate sprints and some complicated stage finishes. So is that that's kind of what, what you're going for in, in looking into this issue of the green jersey competition and sprinters overlapping. Right. Though, have am I right in remembering that I think that they've reconfigured the competition yet again this year? Um, you are correct, but I wouldn't be able to say the full details, except I think that some stages are, are basically declared like super sprint stages and right. there are more points for, for the stage. So they finish. basically, as I understand it, they have tried to bring the green Jersey back in alignment a little bit more with pure sprinters with, with, uh, the finishes essentially. Yeah. So the question... as opposed to gathering as many points it's still not as kind of uh sprint finish focused as it was in the old days when the intermediate sprints were worth like three points 
Um, <laughs> but they, they've tried to focus it. They got tired of Peter Sagan winning. And as they do, when a rider uh, wins a contest a certain number of times, they try to make it uh, easier for a different kind of rider to win it and harder for that kind of rider. And, you know, to to this issue, the news of the week is that uh, Giant Alpecin's star field sprinter Marcel Kittel will not be racing the Tour de France. And that's interesting because that really opens up the field for the sprinters, whether for the green jersey or not. Yes. I mean, not that... You know, not that no one else had a chance or anything like that, but but and he wasn't in. You know, his his season hasn't been great, so maybe he wouldn't have been a huge factor anyway. Um, but in the last, uh, certainly, I'd say the last two, he's been kind of the predominant sprinter. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so it's interesting that in his absence, and I will also point out that. Uh, Nasser Bouhani uh, crashed out at the French National Championships and also will not start the tour. So that's a, that's another. Oh little wait, shake no, up. he's he's not going to start. I heard he was. Oh, did that change? Oh my gosh, I do not know. I heard that he was not going to. Um. Uh, oh no, we are <laughs> we're up brief to the, intermission up to the minute for here. rapid googling. Oh, yes. Bouhani confirmed to start despite crash injuries. Yeah. Yeah, so he's he's injured. They, they there was some question about it. Uh, it seems like he's he's hurt himself, um, but he didn't break anything. So they're going to see uh, how he does. I so I think the interesting thing about this. So let's just go ahead and say that Buhani might not be uh, entirely a factor, kind of regardless of his injuries, because what he tends to do is uh, crash people out while sprinting for like fourth place. <laughs> um, Slander. <laughs> not a big Buhani fan. But uh, <laughs> with, you know, with the reconfiguring of the points competition uh, and then also, you know, with, without sort of the, the Kittel dominance factor, mm. there's Cav, who is not quite as fast of a field sprinter as he used to be. And then I think the competition comes from a bunch of like rollier sprinters, you know, John Degenkolb, Alexander Kristoff, yeah. Peter Sagan, um... That's that's the sprint field. It's not really the sort of out and out field sprinters. Yeah. Well, I think, and in, in this is interesting too, because so Cavendish has historically, of course, been that uh, classic field sprinter. But boy, um, this year he's looking very good. Uh, he just was in. I think I think he was second to Peter Keniak in a really hard British Road Race Championship. Um, really, I missed that. Yeah, yeah, like with the hills and everything. And I'm just thinking back to earlier, you know, in the earlier days of of his career in in 2007, his Neo Pro year in 08, 09. When Mark Cavendish really had this reputation as a guy who had this huge acceleration, but couldn't just couldn't get over climbs um, at all, and over the course of his career, he's become more and more of a, a of a fit rider and and able to cope with some of those climbs, even as his raw sprint power has has declined. So I think he's still pretty interesting, and especially in this the route that we have this year for the tour um you know he's he's probably as much of a threat as ever especially with Kit- kital not in the race 
I, I would say that, yeah, this is a very good year for Cavendish to, uh, to, to sort of say that his, you know, his dominance is not over yet. Right. We've, we've seen, you know, there were, there were just a number of years where he just collected an ungodly number of stage wins and then the sprint field really filled out. Other teams started figuring out kind of how to work the same kind of lead out train that his teams were doing. And we started to see, you know, the rise of a new crop of sprinters that have really given him quite the run for his money. And yeah. I think this could be a yeah, really good year for him to respond. Yeah, absolutely. He he seemed pretty much unstoppable until about what, 2011, 2012? Yeah. Even well, even 2012, I mean <laughs> there was this funny thing. We can get off Cavendish soon, but but I I, I like talking about because I, I find him I don't know, he's an interesting guy and an interesting um sprinter and i think a bizarrely uh mischaracterized sprinter um over the course of his career because this narrative developed during his years of super dominance with uh team um high road slash columbia htc slash htc columbia you know (laughs) whatever that outfit where you know, he would, it would get to a point where he wasn't in, well, for example, Mark Renshaw, his, his lead out guy was thrown off the tour and they're like, well, he's, he's doomed now. Cause, cause Mark Cavendish, excuse me, Mark Cavendish needs a lead out in order to win stages. And that was the thing. Everyone was saying, Mark Cavendish, oh, he'll be useless without a lead out. And people would say that every year, you know, when he was on Sky in 2012, well, he needs a lead out. It was never, that was never true. <laughs> like that was, it was, he had a lead out that may, took him from being extremely good to being unbeatable. Um, but he's, He's always been one of the smartest sprinters in terms of, of reading a finale and surfing wheels. Yeah. I remember a stage of the tour maybe three years ago, and I, you know, I'm not like prepared to cite my sources. Uh, mm. I remember, you know, he had to dodge. There was one of these tricky, like bumpy finales with a ton of turns and like a some like awful 300 meter uphill drag, you know, some terrible big ring sprint. And I think there was some crash and he got like way bumped off the wheel and like filtered, you know, back to like 20th wheel in the last 500 meters. And he didn't have any team support. And he like roared back and got like third place, something crazy. One of those things that said like, okay, whoa, he does not, he does not just work the sort of perfect sprints. He can do really well in extremely gutsy, difficult, chaotic, technical sprints. Yeah, and and with the route this year being there, there are going to be a lot of finishes that are that are tricky uh, and, and maybe a little difficult. I mean, it's it's to bring it back to sprinters overall. It's kind of a good year in general for these ruler sprinters, uh, which is, given that these those seem to be the predominant sprinters in the race, um, it's it's kind of hard to predict what's going to happen. To be honest, yeah, certainly. Sagan's still looking fast. Uh, it's worth noting he had a, he had a good stage win in uh, Tour of Switzerland, um, so he's in good shape. Yeah, and he had a good Tour of California last month. Yeah, I mean I, I'm not sure quite what the Tour of California means, <laughs> but <laughs> that's true. <sighs> yeah, <laughs> but I think yeah, you know. So... so we've got I think the we've got before the mountains hit, we've got nine stages, and that includes a time trial and a team trial, but. The other stages, you know, there are some cool, funny finishes that are, you know, the tour has increasingly kind of lilted towards uh, 
having that first week and a half almost includes some classics-esque stages. And, yeah. you know, we've got Climbing the Mur de Wee, which is from the Fletch Wallone on stage yeah. three. And uh, on stage eight, uh, the stage finishes on the Mur de Bretagne, the Wall of Brittany. Yep, which uh, we last saw in 2011. Yes, and I believe Gilbert won that stage. Was that like the first? Was that the first? I stage? believe it was the first stage. Gilbert won that stage. There was major chaos. Uh, Contador lost a bunch of time. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Yeah, Cadell Evans' eventual winner was uh, third on that stage, I think. So yeah, this has been this has been the trend uh, recently, and I actually really I do I do like it. Uh, it used to be just like a week of sprinty stages, just just flat sprints, and those are nice. Like you know, it's it, I don't have anything against uh, a sprinter's stage, but you you kind of want to break them up. Yeah, because because after a while, it's just like well. You know, there's the break, and then, you know, the teams pull it back, and then there's the sprint. And so there's just a lot of stuff that isn't really all that interesting to watch. And sprints, I, I actually like. I think I think people, uh, I think sprints are unfairly maligned um, as being boring somehow. Well, it's the three and hours that precede the sprint that I, It's you the know, three hours me. that precede the sprint, yes, exactly. A bit, bit drudgesome. Yes, a bit boring. So, yeah, looking forward to those. So, I don't know. Do we have any final predictions about the sprinters? Uh, I, I think I'm just going to go out and say that um, uh, with this green jersey, I think I think Mark Cavendish is actually a really good pick for the green jersey this year. We'll see what happens. I, I have to agree with you. But I will say that I am just absolutely looking forward to uh, seeing Degen Kolb and Kristoff resume, I think, the rivalry that was really like solidified in this year's mm. Spring Classics campaign. And you know, I'm not I'm not looking for like a reality TV esque war of words in the post race interviews, but I am looking I I am interested in like an elbow or two, you know, some bike throws, some like really close stage finishes. That's what I mean by bike throws, not like anger and hoisting over the barriers. Mm, um, yeah, but I would I would really love to see uh, some high excitement from the two of them. Yeah, I, I like seeing both of those guys. I think uh, I don't think I've said this on the show. I think I said it to you on Twitter once. Degenkolb to me is is kind of like he's sort of like a Tor Hushoft, except like way better than Tor Hushoft ever was. Oh, and Kristoff too. I mean, it, the, the, yeah, and they're like they're both the same guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So they, that's gonna be that's gonna be fun to watch. And there are some good there's some good sprints for those kind of guys. And and both of them um, are also. Like I don't know that I expect this to happen because the Grand Tour is not the same as like the, the classics or anything, but they are both also very capable of going into breaks. Yeah, um, and could could do that if they felt like doing that. Um, I don't know that that would be if those breaks would be allowed to get away because then the winner would probably be kind of a foregone conclusion. But <laughs> <laughs> but that is something that they they you know have as a something in their their playbook that. Um, really, a, a Mark Cavendish. However much I and I do actually like Mark Cavendish. I think he's an interesting sprinter and uh, interesting fella. Uh, that's not really in his playbook. You know, it's it's not been in a lot of conventional sprinters' playbooks. It's, you know, not Marcel uh, Kittle's uh, playbook. Um, mm-hmm. But those guys are really versatile. So that's that's fun to watch. So yeah, look look forward to the sprints. I think that they're going to be cool. So the next thing I have on my list is just uh, well, right? It says well, hold here. On. So Greg. 
Uh, just mm-hmm. let me, we're gonna drop a flag in here. I need to get up and I need to turn a light on because it's getting very dark in here. Oh yeah. Okay. All right. Thanks. Yep. Okay, so the next thing I have on here, it says, um, <clears throat> it says polka dots. Do we care? Do we care about the polka dot jersey awarded to the person who's winning the King who of is... the Mountains competition, which is yes. a points competition that only goes uphill? Yes. I like... One of the things that I like seeing in a Grand Tour is inevitably there there are a couple guys who are like in the break day after day you know not like every day but you know a lot of times the breakaway like doesn't really matter all that much you know once or twice during the Mm -hmm. tour there's like a sort of surprise the break sticks even though the field like could have caught them and that's really exciting and then there are you know there are stages that are kind of like made as like a general classification chill out day and lumpy and the break goes and gets you know seven minutes and obviously fights it out and that's really great too and you know you you read some of this stuff that is is some of the bike racing that happens kind of on the margins of the big show and you start to see like some of the same names over and over again that's when you're like all right this person is like really working it you know they are they're having a pretty killer month and i i do think it's kind of exciting but not in a way that you can really like anticipate, you know, you can't, I don't think I can really predict how the king of the mountain competition is going to go down. It just seems like there are too many initial variables. Yeah, that that's kind of the, you know, I was being a bit provocative with do we care? It, it can be, it can be interesting. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's worth something. It's a valuable competition, but it often is who ends up competing in it there seem to be factors of well maybe someone was planning to go for gc and they had a bad day and but they find themselves with a pretty good amount of points so they figure they'll go for that or you know some some ruler or some you know someone like that uh happened to be in the break and and grabbed them and suddenly finds themselves in a position to challenge for it so they keep going for it It, it's very very hard to know who's going to find themselves in the contest essentially in these days you don't see you don't see racers, even though they've they've definitely tried to bring the competition back around to be less favorable to just breakaways and and more favorable to climbers. You still don't really see um, actual GC contenders really going for the polka dots. Right. Well, I think sometimes we they seen, end like, up. With sometimes them. in the last week, they kind of accidentally accrue enough points to possibly win. The king of the mountain competition but that's... yeah i think quintana did that yeah didn't he and he didn't even wear it because he was in the white jersey which is more prestigious right exactly yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. Yeah. yeah but yeah so it's still it'll be cool it'll be worth watching i don't even think i don't know i don't think that we should make any predictions because who the who the heck knows what's going to happen there yeah and yeah it's who knows what's going to happen and like it might not be interesting until like suddenly it is slightly interesting but there are, there are a lot of stories going on in the tour and in any grand tour. And yeah, this one I it winds up being the one that I that I wind up disregarding. Yeah. 
All right, so we're beginning to run toward the end. So I, I think I want to, we, sh we should move on to, there's two more things I'd like to get to. One would be the also ran. So sort of your, I don't know, who who's going to be the top 10 level-ish people that are worth mentioning that who could maybe be outsider challengers for the podium, but probably we think won't be on it? You know? Well, so that's, that's a good question. And if you're asking me this, then I'll, I'll yeah. have to broadside your podium prediction because you did mention TJ Van Garderen. I did. And, mm -hmm. you know, he's he got fifth in the tour a couple years ago. and uh, Got it again last year. And again last year? Okay, you know, that's also quite good. Um, and especially, you know, the American media. The American media loves the idea of American tour contender. The American <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, cycling media, I should say. And like that's fine, and I do like paying attention to the Americans, but but you know I'm not not going to call him an also ran, but fifth through and you know anything anything sort of behind the podium for the top five of uh of of a grand tour is I don't want to call it insignificant because you know these are huge efforts, but like you think like oh you you know you got tenth, but you could never do better than that like. People stop caring. Um, you know, like not a lot of people really make a career out of, uh, out of you know, 10th place in the tour. Wow. Heimer Zubeldia. But... <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Heimer so, Zubeldia. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, we'll, I, I guess I'll, I'll talk a little bit more, just a tiny bit more about TJ when we get to the Americans, because that's, that's the next thing on the list. But, okay. Yeah. So, uh, there are definitely the thing is that I think the kind of quote unquote also rans it, it's sort of some of them are podium dark horses and some of them aren't you know like uh, I think so you know and you have Pino on your podium I, I think he's kind of a dark horse for the podium um, but definitely you know almost a shoe in for the the top five or six uh, pretty pretty been going pretty well lately mm -hmm. pino uh and it, that's great and and it'd be nice to see him win the tour really because the, the french really <laughs> need a home team win uh, i don't think that's going to happen this year uh, but it might happen in the near future but then there's also riders like uh zubeldia who you know they're pretty solid top 10 picks but they're not going to be on the podium there's just no way um you know because you get the top 10 by being you know in the second group pretty much every day uh, which is great, which is really hard to do, to be clear. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's not an easy thing to do. Um, but you, in order to challenge for the podium, you need to be in the front group, um, generally. So, anyway. I feel, hold on, I, I feel like I should clarify that I didn't really call Van Garder and also ran, but that, you mm. know, that the, the story of his sort of potential performance, I think tends to be a bigger story than the his story of his performance. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. I think that happens with the Americans. Uh, you know, you got. Uh, well, you know, we can move on to that. I, I think that the the point is we we've got. Uh, maybe we can list off sort of these top ten things. I think that Contador is going to be an also ran in the sense that you know, he looks pretty good for top five, uh, certainly top ten, um, but he's, he seems likely to fade. Uh, you've got your other Frenchman. Um, let's see, Roman Bardet and. Uh, Jean-Christophe Jean Perraud, who seem like pretty good 
like like pretty solid top 10 or you know maybe top five but certainly you know pretty solid top 10 picks but probably not podium picks you know yeah uh, okay so so folks like that uh another one who used to be a persistent uh pick for this but who i don't know we've heard from lately is um oh shoot the the belgian uh gc rider <laughs> Ah, oh, Jurgen Vandenbroek. Jurgen Vandenbroek. Oh, Jurgen Vandenbroek. Boy, he was an also ran forever. He he used to be that kind of guy, but he's uh, I don't know. Haven't really heard much from him lately. No, but what I do like seeing by by comparison is all these like the the spindly Dutch kind of half climber, half GC sort of wannabes. You know, like Robert Gessink was always tipped as like the next guy yeah. for a while, and he never really. He he never really put it together. I think you know I'm but a lot more again, excited a solid about top ten, solid top ten yeah. contender. But I'm I'm more excited about Wilco Kelderman, um, and you know Lawrence Tendam like can kind of can kind of muck around in some mountain stages. Uh, I think it was Stephen Kreuzweig who had a pretty great Giro. He was he was one of those guys you know talking about the polka dot, the king of the mountain competition. He was just like like killing it. You know that that name who was in the break almost every other day or something. Um, don't think he managed to win a stage though yeah yeah all right so i guess i don't know that can conclude the also rans uh <laughs> I, hopefully losers will have gotten something out of it <laughs> <laughs> we basically we basically demonstrated uh our terrible memories and lack of actual knowledge there are a lot of people to remember and sometimes it gets a little bit crowded up in there Oh, there are a lot of names. All right, so let's round it. Let's round it off. Um, you know, because we're an American podcast, <laughs> we've got to. I just need to ask you about the American America, America, USA, USA. Um, so we've got what two American GC riders? We've got TJ Van Garderen, previously mentioned, and there's Andrew Tolansky. and I think there's only one other American rider in the race. And I, I actually am not remembering who it was, so I'm going to check real quickly. Uh, Tyler Farrar. That's right. Gosh. How could I forget of, Tyler? Of, because, well... <laughs> <laughs> oh, That's it. Let's just let that one stand. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. What do you, what do you think about uh, what do you think about them? I, I'm, I, I really like Andrew Tolansky and, and how he races. Um, yeah same was it the the dauphine that he won last year yeah last year just in the most like uh badass way possible like total like you know samuel l jackson type like bamf (laughs) like completely awesome style yeah and then he did a bunch of crashing in the tour last year and had this sort of like epic implosion like you know, I, I damn it, I'm gonna finish this stage as the camera is lingering on me and like the tears that are running down my cheeks and the pain is too great from my injuries to really continue. But yeah, they've got something like three official camera motos on any given stage on the Tour de France, and they just had one stay with him like the entire day. That is just. <laughs> it was like we'll we'll just have one third of our cameras on, on Tolansky's just epic battle with himself just to finish this stage within the within the time cut just oh my god yeah he's a he's 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 tough for sure he's tough uh i like him a lot he's kind of a top 10 level guy right now yeah and i think Um, i think it would be like super just to see him you know in some of those 
some of those big mountain stages kind of mucking around in the, the GC group as it starts to climb and see what he can do, see what happens. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't think, you know, he's going to it would I think it would take a miracle for him to ride onto the podium, but uh, I think he could have a, a very good tour and it would be very exciting to see him in some good spots. Absolutely. As for TJ Van Garderen, um, you know, I, I picked him for third because I think I think that I think that given the right kind of sequence of, of events, that he's he's up to the level that that is now possible. Um, I will say I, uh, I agree, despite my earlier smack talk. Go on. Yeah, yeah, and especially he rode really, really solidly in the Dauphin against a, a, a really stacked field, uh, and was actually for the climbing better than Chris Froome for the most part. Uh, I think that. Uh, it was it was it in the time trial that that Froome beat him, or did he manage to steal those seconds on? That? I think it was on a climb actually, um, but he was really right right up there, uh, which was something that you know he hasn't been there before. Uh, I will say uh, I think he's a little boring. Um, he's <laughs> I think Tolansky is a more interesting character. Right, Tolansky um, is a is a crazy attacker, and Van Garderen is a a survivor against people who are bigger and better than him. Yeah, yeah. Tolansky is actually kind of in the classic, I guess excluding a certain Mr. Armstrong, that Tolansky is sort of in the classic American GC contender mold of being pretty pretty reticent to attack, of being pretty conservative. You think Tolansky or Van Garderen? Van Garderen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, whereas whereas Tolansky is, is much more kind of bold and brash. Right. I, uh, I remember seeing and... him off the front in the World Championships a couple years ago with Ian Stannard and Tolansky is a, a small, skinny guy. Yeah. And Ian Stannard, I'm sure off the bike he probably looks lean like a bike racer, but on the bike he looks like he's made up of just like shoulders on yeah. top of other shoulders. <laughs> he is a classics rider for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Seeing the two of them in a move together late in the world championships was uh, exciting and comical. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right so so okay so we think that so so you haven't picked uh tj for the podium but but you know he's solid rider could could surprise you i'd I'd love to see him have a great ride yeah yeah and uh you know tolansky is just awesome to watch race and and we hope that he is a good race wishing the best for sure and we hope that uh, tyler farrar gets a couple fourth places (laughs) in sprints I think it would be, you know, Ferrari has had a really difficult career ever since, like, yeah, his best friend died in the Giro d'Italia. Seriously, like, I actually like, I actually feel kind of bad now. Uh, <laughs> for for, I I find a lot of like the, you know, second place thing or whatever third place thing like a little tasteless. I, I found it, and it's not just like a Tyler Ferrar thing. Like, I found when people were making all the jokes about um, Andy Schleck and Schleck shoot and all that mm-hmm. um, after, you know, his, his, what ended up essentially being career ending crash uh, in, was it the Dauphiné in 2012 ish? Yeah. Um, you know, I found that pretty, pretty tasteless too. Like, you know, when, when, when riders are struggling, like uh, <laughs> it's a, it's a hard job. Um, and it's true he's had a tough run of it and he's a really good sprinter you know let's let's remember that yeah 
Um, there are just other really good sprinters who are really gooder. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you know, at his at his best, he had been and has been um, able to to beat guys like Mark Cavendish. Uh, I, I don't really think that he's much of a a threat for stage wins at at the tour these days. But he did win in two thousand eleven. Mm-hmm. He did win a stage. It could happen. It could happen, you know, and it, and it would, would be, be great, great to see uh, MTN Kubeka, ha- you know grab a little bit of glory during this tour yeah with their their referee jerseys and all that mm-hmm. yeah, it'd be nice to see that any final words because I, I think we should wrap it up i think that i think this serves as a good preview for what we're looking for during the tour what we're thinking about for our velo games team picks and uh i think it serves as a, a good platform for us to uh pick bones with each other later on in the month and maybe make fun of each other a little bit or slap yeah. out a couple big I told you so's. Uh, yeah. So yeah, and, and remember, uh, head on over to velogames.com and join our league. You know, Make yourself a team, pick out your riders. We, we will join. be talking about this on the podcast. We will be talking about our Velogames competition. I mean, yes, we will be I want updates. to win, and I will not resort to cheating because it's pretty hard to do that. But, uh, <laughs> you know, right now we've got four people uh, in the league, and Greg, you're not even one of them yet. So you know we're confirmed for five. I know that we got a few <laughs> yeah. more who are committed to doing it. Uh, you have a few more days left. Um, get on it. Join us. We're gonna have a good time. We're gonna talk about it. You'd win some cool stuff. Right, and remember that is that league code is two five two zero five four one nine. So so go to velogames.com and. Make your team, and the league code you want is 252-05419. And we'll put that on our Twitter account and uh, on our well on our individual Twitter accounts, the show Twitter account. And by the way, I'll tell you what those are. You can reach me at Grolby on Twitter, G-R-O-L-B-Y. You can reach Matteo at underscore Matteo. And you can reach the podcast, our collective identity, as the Working Man's Honest Bicycle Program at underscore WHBP. Please also email us if you have comments or uh, want to trash talk us about how your fantasy bicycle team is going to uh, kick our fantasy bicycle team uh, six ways to Sunday. Uh, you can do that at honestbikeprogram at gmail.com. And uh, am I missing anything? I think, I think that's about it. Yeah, I mean, well, people can go to standarddouble.com slash WHBP, and they can download old episodes, and uh, you can go to iTunes, and you can give us a rating. That's something else that they can do, right? Yeah, yeah, keep doing that. We really appreciate it. Like I said, we've got we've got enough ratings now that our rating shows up on iTunes. We like that. That's quite nice, yes. <laughs> so so keep, keep, keep them coming, and, you know, if you want to... Uh, leave a review as well that'd be great um we love it and and uh yeah talk to us talk to us and compete with us and uh by the way don't worry if Mattia wins the prize is for the first uh place listener but i have confidence that one of you will pull through and and beat Mattia. <laughs> i don't have a very good record in these sort of things so <laughs> yeah we all we think we're so damn smart but Anything can happen once uh, July starts in earnest. That's true. All right. Well, on that note, uh, we'll 
see you in a week because uh as i think i might have mentioned we'll be we'll be recording i think pretty much every sunday evening um to get caught up on what's going on both in the actual tour de france and our special little fantasy tour de france and and we'll keep you keep you updated so good night and happy july and good luck courage (laughs) 